Whether you drive a car, need a car, or just occasionally bum a ride with friends, you've come to the right place. Join the editors of Consumer Guide Automotive as they break down everything that's going on in the auto world. New car reviews. Shopping tips. Driving green. Electric cars. Classic cars. And plenty of great guests. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. Here's your host, Tom Appel. All right. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Hey, thanks for joining us today. When you have a chance, please visit us at ConsumerGuide.com. Be sure to check out our Best Buy Picks. This list is an excellent starting place if you are looking for a new car or crossover. You will also want to check out our blog for complete reviews of all the vehicles we're driving here at Consumer Guide Plus. All sorts of other car and auto-related fun stuff. And if you've missed an episode or two, kind of unforgivable, you can stream back episodes of the Car Stuff Podcast right there on our homepage. And if you have any questions or comments, drop us a line at carstuff at consumerguide.com. That's carstuff at consumerguide.com. All right, let's see who's online with us today. She is the managing editor of Pickup Truck Plus SUV Talk and the driving force behind the Drive She Said blog. Welcome to the show, Jill Simonello. Hello, it's good to be here. Jill, do you know what this is? Uh, there's so many ways I could go with that. No, I'm not. I don't know what way you're pointing at. (laughs) This is episode, this is episode 52. 52. That's like a deck of cards. One year. Mm. We are one year into this. Yes. No one has stopped us. It's as if they don't know we're doing this. They have. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's, that's a frightening thought. Uh, yeah, no, we are. Wow. We are, we are one year old. We're like legit. It's cool. Totally legit. All right. He is the senior editor here at Consumer Guide. He is president of the Midwest Automotive Media Association. He is also a registered dietitian, licensed to practice (laughs) in New Mexico and American Samoa. Welcome, Damon Bell. You wouldn't believe how strict American Samoa is on those licenses. (laughs) No, I also know you are the only registered dietitian with an Arby's Beef Buddy card. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, man, I had to I had to pull a lot of strings to get that uh, rubber stamp, that's for sure. <laughs> yep. It was oh, worth so, it though. Yeah. Yeah, so congrats uh congrats on the 52 weeks. Yeah, I'm still waiting for my framed uh plaque uh, you know, with the signature thing, the certificate and all that to come in and I'll put it up in my cube. I keep thinking still like this is a this is a, an experiment of some sort, but uh I think I think we've graduated beyond that. I think so. Officially. Oh, man. All right. Our guest today is Yost DeVry. He is a 30-year veteran of the auto industry and has held management and leadership positions at Volvo, Mack Trucks, and Tesla. Today, he is the vice president of global sales and uh, customer experience at Karma Automotive. He's here to talk about what's going on in the EV industry and the exciting new lineup of GS Series cars. You do not want to miss this conversation. But before that conversation, Jill, yes, something happened during the World Series. Tell us about it. Uh, yeah. So um, we are going to have a very electrifying uh, show today. Oh. Oh. oh, do you see what I did there? Well, you know, uh, but uh, during the World Series, uh, GMC launched the all new kind of new but it's completely new, Hummer EV. So the name is familiar, Hummer, uh, which used to be a standalone brand under General Motors, but now GMC has adopted it. They've turned it into a pickup truck and they've made it all electric. So, uh, you know, kind of simultaneously while they were doing this commercial, uh, we've been seeing teasers since the Super Bowl in February and um, production got delayed because of COVID-19. And um, but now, finally, during the World Series, another sporting event, they they launched this truck and um, we they did a simultaneous kind of like a press preview of, of this as well. And so we have a lot of information, but not a lot of information at the same time. <laughs> I, I don't I don't quite know how that happened, but it did. And, and so kind of like the bare bones, uh, what you need to know is first, you know, this is going to be a 2022 model. And it will be available in the fall of 2021. So we're still a year out from seeing a production version of this vehicle. 
And the production version that they are launching is called the Edition 1 Trim, which is going to be their top tier $112,000 model. Um, And it's already sold out. So um, you're going to have to wait probably another couple months after that when um, the the next edition is going to be going on sale, which is going to be the Hummer EV um, 3X. Actually, you're going to have to wait a full year after that. So the Hummer EV 3X goes on sale in the fall of 2022, and that'll be about $100,000. We should we should talk. We, we need to step back like three steps. And just sort of, <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I just like no, there's no. so much. No, no, there is so much, and I think you laid it out nicely. But there's some very interesting points here that I think we can break down because we learned stuff. As you said, there's a lot of information, and there's no information. And yes. I, think that was, <laughs> I think that was a great summary of what's going on here. So this is what we know: it's a pickup truck. What we also know in terms of branding is that they're calling this the launch edition. So it's the Hummer launch edition. So they're not leaving them a lot of space, leaving themselves a lot of space for other versions of this, like a crossover or something else, which is interesting in terms of Well, we do, we do, yeah, we do know that there is an SUV version coming. Do we know that? We think there is. They showed outlines of it, but they haven't mentioned it. I think that's, I think it's been, I think it's been uh, agreed that that there's going to be uh, an SUV version of it in the future. Okay, because I, I was surprised they didn't start with that. Are, are you really? Yeah. I'm I'm not sure I am. And this this is why. I think the news now might be pickups. Ford is working on an electric F-150. We know that an electric Silverado is around the corner someplace. And, of course, the Cybertruck is making the, – the Tesla Cybertruck is making a lot of news. So this might be an interesting place to go. Additionally, and we'll put pictures of this up on the on the, the Facebook page – but this is a very crossovery SUV-ish. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. we we can we yeah we can call it a pickup, um, and it is, but it is not your conventional cab. It, it it's more along the if you remember the the Chevrolet Avalanche, right? Or the it, yeah. it kind of basic layout. It is kind of recalling the first uh, Honda Ridgeline. Yeah. Where there yeah. is, it's more of a pickup SUV hybrid. And frankly, I was a little surprised. Well, not too surprised <laughs> that it really does hew more toward the the uh, design language of that first Hummer a little bit more than I was expecting it to. Um, yeah. It's got that kind of full width light bar front end uh-huh. um, that that kind of suggests a an electric vehicle just because, you know, when you think of an internal combustion engine, you kind of think, well, even though now they mostly bring in air from underneath the vehicle, uh, you kind of need a grill because in your head you think, well, an, an internal combustion engine needs to breathe. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of a design signature. So when you see something that a face of a vehicle that doesn't have nostrils per se, that sort of says EV to me. But beyond that, uh, yeah, that very blocky, Mm squarish shape, super wide, kind of a futuristic Tonka toy feel to it. uh, That comes through very well in the overall look of this new GMC Hummer EV. Do you like the look? Uh, I don't know yet. I'm, I'm still, I'm that's honestly, I'm, I'm still, I'm, I'm still trying to, yeah. And I'm still trying to get my head around it. I remember a few episodes back when we talked about the Ford F-150, when that was, uh, you know, first unveiled in detail. Yeah. Um, it really does now more than ever. I'm still getting my head around the fact that now trucks and SUVs are manufacturers tip of the technological spear. You yeah. know, like the, 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 it's funny that if you really wanted to compare them side by side, the new uh, C8 Corvette, revolutionary new GM vehicle, uh, debuts all kinds of new technology. But frankly, this GMC Hummer is more cutting edge in its own way than the Corvette is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think well, so. I think so. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah. I was going to say, it's what, what I find fascinating, and I've talked about it on previous episodes, I've created a TikTok account. And I've been putting videos of everything that I've been driving out there. And, you know, when a reveal like this happens, I'll take some of the manufacturer's video and put it on TikTok. And my Corvette videos have like 800 views. You know, my truck 
videos have millions of views. So, um, I mean, the, you're, you're definitely hitting it on the head. You know, the, the next generation of consumers is definitely looking at pickup trucks and SUVs more towards, you know, what, what they're interested in. I was like, frankly, stunned that the Corvette has been pretty much ignored. And I put videos of the Toyota Supra out there, complete, not completely ignored, but like the, the GMC Yukon, 1.2 million views. So, um, yeah. You know, the, which makes some sense if you think yeah, about it. Yeah. TikTok, I don't think TikTok is, is a car loving audience. I don't think you're going to find auto enthusiasts out there. And I think that if you're trying to pitch cars to people who don't care about cars, the Yukon is kind of interesting. And I think that the new Hummer is super interesting yeah. because it's such a lifestyle vehicle. Yeah. But I've been amazed yeah. at the number of comments and conversations that are happening. So I, I think, yes, it's not like a car crazy audience, but you have people who are generally curious and interested. And I mean, I've started getting story ideas off of that. So I, I don't know. The, uh, the interesting thing about this, and, and, and again, a lot of news, no news. Uh, <laughs> we've, we've learned that Hummer is definitely now a luxury brand, right? This is over $100,000 vehicles. And we're slightly numbed to this $100,000 number by GM now because the new mm-hmm. Escalade, the new Cadillac Escalade, will easily crust a hundred grand fairly commonly now as they move forward with the 2021 edition. But the other part about this, this, this staggered launch, I've read a lot of stuff on mm-hmm. Facebook and Twitter by other auto journalists, and they're trying to figure out what's going on here, but I think it kind of makes sense. So we've got a first model year that's 2022, right? It's a 2022 model mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. with very few models sold. They're talking about it being sold out, but you can say anything is sold out if you don't sell very many of them. Right. But they have all new architecture and all new battery. General Motors, these are General Motors' new Altium batteries. These are brand mm-hmm. new battery chemistries that they're going to launch. But the hard part about this, I think, and only a few people have talked about this, is that they have to package an enormous battery somewhere in this vehicle that isn't low in the car because this is an off-road capable vehicle. Right. So you got this giant battery that can't be just down here under the bed. So I don't know. But one of the things I'm kind of interested in this vehicle is is how much this looks like a vacation vehicle you want to drive around the Wisconsin Dells because you can almost pop the entire top off. Yeah, yeah. that's something else we should bring up is is it's it's I don't want to say Wrangler S because it's in a different way. But the fact that uh, the roof panel over the front uh, driver and passenger seat comes off and then, and then the back uh, seat area is T-tops a la, I, I just can't help but I want to see uh, a GMC Hummer with a Firebird, uh, Trans Am Firebird <laughs> screaming chicken on the hood to kind of tie in that the, the, the classic T-top reference but um, wait, yeah, wait, wait, that, wait, 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 how do we make that happen? <laughs> How do we make that happen? Well, I, yeah. we have a really good art director who's good at photoshopping things. So, <laughs> if we find it, if we find a picture of a Trans Am from the right angle, I'm sure he can slap it on the hood of this Hummer pretty easily. Right now, I want nothing more than a screaming chicken on the hood of a Hummer. <laughs> but oh, it's so it's, it's you could say that though, like. Yeah, it's it's sort of like this is such a genre bending vehicle because it's right. clearly mm-hmm. not positioned as a work truck at all. No. It's this high end aspirational thing. And I've seen some chatter about like, well, the first ones of these, you're probably going to see them in, you know, Beverly Hills in Rodeo Drive mostly. Like, it, are, are you? I, I guess you could. It, it seemed like because, uh, yeah, but this it, it, I still have a little bit of a disconnect with. <laughs> this thing is going to have amazing off-road capabilities that mm. will not be used by a substantial number <laughs> of the people who buy it. And, yeah, and, and maybe just maybe just knowing that it's there and that you could if you wanted to is good enough. Well, you can always get that parking are. spot by driving <laughs> over cars. <laughs> So, but to go back to Jill's surprise that this is a pickup truck, um, I, I think that right now what we're learning is that selling EVs is still a difficult thing to do, and yeah. that selling just a conventional EV that's practical to some guy that commutes to work every day and is on a budget doesn't work just yet, right? The Nissan Leaf is a good vehicle that the, the Chevrolet 
um, Bolt EV is a good vehicle. Those don't sell in big numbers, but the whole world seems to want a Mustang Mach-E, which is that Ford electric crossover we're going to see mm-hmm. soon. Rivian's yeah. got set the world on fire. Everyone loves the Rivian. And now this Hummer, which is spectacular, totally over the top, uh, which is probably going to attract buyers too. And speaking of totally over the top, do you guys remember when General Motors was boring? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that long ago, I guess. No. Yeah, early two thousands, there was not a whole lot of excitement there. No, I'm remembering like yeah. the Pontiac G6, the Malibu Max, and the Impala Ooh. Midnight Edition. Now we have a mid-engine Corvette, a joint venture with Nikolai, and a Hummer that is the craziest thing I've seen in a long time. This is a yeah. fun company, all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. We, and and the, you know some of the technologies that they're putting on here look fascinating you know in addition to that i think they're calling it the infinity roof you know it'll get the tailgate the uh, multi-pro tailgate from gmc you know it'll have um a power tonneau cover for the for the truck bed and then i don't know that i've ever seen a screen larger than the one that will be inside they're saying it's three 13.4 inch infotainment screen I think the biggest mm. I've seen so far industry wide is about twelve point three inches. How how big is the one in the in the Tesla Model S and the Model I, X? I think it's it's got to be like twelve. I don't I don't it, know if it's thirteen. I feel like it's like twelve. It's not a it's not a single screen per se, but the new Cadillac Escalade uh, that's got thirty some inches of digital because that whole you know, instrument panel and infotainment section and even a, a section off to the left of the main instrument panel is all uh, fully digital, uh, higher resolution than a 4K TV, true blacks. So, um, yeah, that that might be and, and that's a vehicle that's going on sale right now. So right. That, if you if you want to talk strictly entire instrument panel the the escalates probably the the winner but yes we should there's other crazy uh technology and statistics here <laughs> it's got this the the hummer h this this gmc hummer has got a crab walk yes feature where you can turn both the front and and rear wheels and it can move diagonally um again for off-road type obstacles i would imagine that that it, very few owners will probably encounter. It will probably be employed most often to impress people at the cars and coffee or at the, <laughs> or to parallel at park. the outside on. the yeah, or to parallel park, I suppose, which you, you probably need all the help you can get. <laughs> and also, I don't know that they've said what the weight of this thing is, but it's got to be insanely heavy. Mm. Uh, and I think the stat I read is that, you know, the full, Uh, top trim level and they've got a watts to freedom feature which i don't (laughs) think they've gone into specifics Uh on but it's essentially a launch mode yeah and i believe they are saying a zero to 60 time of like three seconds that's insane insane you've got a match cybertruck which says their zero to 60 is i think 2.8 or 2.9 so Uh That's um, I have, I have a, I, I'm, I'm fairly confident that the GMC Hummer will be out and viable functional? before the Cybertruck is. Yeah. I, really I agree. Chance. Well, and, and one more thing to say before we wrap this up, you know, they're talking about the launch edition or the edition one, which is, you know, $112,000, but the rollout is going to take basically four years. So yeah. in the spring of 2024, you will finally see the base model, uh, which will be the EV2 edition. And um, that is going to be just under $80,000. So there will be a quote unquote affordable version. Mm, quote unquote, yeah. <laughs> of, of the Hummer EV uh, by the spring of 2024 in theory. I'd say can't wait, but I have to wait. <laughs> yes, we all have to wait and wait and oh. wait. Yeah, two years is forever in the auto industry. Jill, you've written about the uh, uh, the Hummer uh, launch edition, have you not? Um, I well, my boss has written about it, and I am in the process of I'm I'm going to do a comparison between the Cybertruck and the Hummer EV since that seems to be the talk. So that is coming soon. Sounds good. All right. We will link to both of those when you have them available from uh, from our Facebook page. All right. We are going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Yost DeVry of Karma Automotive. You don't want to miss this conversation. Stay tuned.
Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. I thank you for sticking around today. Hey, this is the part of the show when I strongly suggest that you give me a follow on Twitter. I am Car Guy Tom. That is Car underscore Guy underscore Tom on Twitter. Um, and if you see a cool old car, truck, or vehicle of any sort on the road, take a picture, post it on Twitter using the Car Spotter hashtag. I will share it with my followers. All right. Our guest today is Joost de Vrij, a 30-year veteran of the auto industry, having held management and leadership positions at Volvo, Mack Trucks, and Tesla. Today, he is the vice president of global sales at Karma Automotive, a fascinating company that you should know more about. Welcome to the show, Joost de Vrij. Thank you very much. We're happy to be here. Well, we're glad to have you today, sir. Um, Karma is an interesting company because in the world of things automotive, it is really very new. You don't normally hear about a car company uh, that sort of kicked things off three years ago and is now currently selling product. That's true. It is. So we've had an interesting birth of the company. Um, we're one of the few companies that actually was born out of a prior company uh, way back in 2014, whereby we incorporated ourselves as Karma Automotive in 2017. So yes, we have uh, we've had an interesting history in the last few years. And and that company you bought is interesting too because that name has a way of hanging around the auto industry. Uh, the, the the company you had, you had purchased out of out of receivership was Fisker Automotive, and Fisker, uh, for people who don't remember, was was part of really the birth of the EV industry in the U.S. At least the modern birth in that it came out with the Fisker Karma right around the time that the Chevrolet Volt came out in 2011, but that didn't list last very long. You guys have, have sort of picking up the pieces of that company and taking that uh, a, a whole lot further. Can you talk about what it is you guys are selling right now and what it is that's coming down the line? Yeah, happy to. Um, I, I think you, you've positioned this correctly. Uh, we, we purchased a number of assets. Um, and then after a few years, we finally figured out what we bought. And we said, okay, there's some really, really cool stuff here. There's also some stuff that we need to change. And we relaunched uh, as Karma Automotive in 2017 with the Rivero. Uh, Styling-wise, it was very similar to what was done before when it was still yeah. called Fisker. Powertrain-wise, electronics-wise, uh, we had to really start from scratch again. Um, and that vehicle was significantly different technically, but optically it was very close to what the first cars were when it was a different brand. Now, that bought us a little time. We stayed very much under the radar, uh, very low sales volume, just a few dealers to get the whole machine up and going. We had to build a brand new factory here in Marino Valley because prior to uh, us purchasing uh, the assets from the bankrupt Fisker, uh, the vehicles were made by Volmet, a contract manufacturer in Finland. So oh. we, built here brand, we built a brand new factory here in, uh, in Southern California. I think it was the first one that got EPA approval since the 1970s. Uh, and it bought us time. Uh, what we've done since then is take that platform, uh, rebuild it into a much more modern platform, but kept some of the amazing proportions of the car that used to be there. Because if you look at our proportions, it is a truly unique vehicle. The dash to axle ratios, the, the, the way we designed the vehicle. Um, and we came out with our model year 2020 Rivero GT, late 2019. And that is the product that we have in the market today. And, and tell us about the GT. I think a lot of people might not yet be familiar with that product. Yeah, with the, with the Rivero GT, what we try to do is go into the market space where people need uh, more range than, for instance, a 12-mile range on a BMW plug-in or a 17-mile range on a, on a Porsche plug-in. Uh, so have 80 miles of pure electric range. Um, and then have an onboard generator, very much like the BMW i3, where you can generate your own power. But it's such a strong generator that you really don't lose any drivability, unlike with the BMW i3, where you're very much restricted in top speed. So what we found from our customers and what we see since it's a fully connected car is that for all the miles that our customers drive, 
69% of all the miles that they drive are actually pure electric, and it is only on oh. long distances where people use the generator. So it, it, is, it is finding a really, really good white spot in the market where people want the benefits of electric but don't want to have the anxiety to, uh, to have to plug in when they don't want to. So right now you offer the, the, the Rivero, the Rivero GT, and, and I guess you're on the cusp of offering a high-performance version called the GTS? Uh, yes and no. Um, the high-performance version, is, is we call it internally the GT Sport. Uh, it is available oh. now. What, we, what we've done with that product is uh, put more copper in the motors to be a little bit technical, so we get a lot more torque. So uh, we're, we're now in a sub four second world, zero to 60. The top speed hasn't really changed, um, but, but customers have told us that the car needs to be as fast as it looks. And although a four and a half seconds zero to 60 is not slow by any means, they really told us we want to be four, sub four seconds. So mm -hmm. this was really driven by uh, the demand and the, and the requests from our consumers. And, it's, you know, speaking of the, the consumers, that's what I'm curious about. So your title is VP of Global Sales and Customer Experience. That's an interesting title. And I'm curious, uh, who is the Karma customer? I, I see on your website, you've done a really good job of, of kind of positioning yourselves as this new breed of California luxury. There's a there's a very specific yeah, yeah. vibe going on. Um, so, in your role as that VP of customer experience, who are your customers, and what are they interested in experiencing? Um, I, I love that question. By the way, <laughs> that is my best <laughs> customer experience. Um, I think the customer who we had in the Rivera GT and the GT Sport when we're operating on a price level where we are today is, is, is a person who is going to congratulate themselves for their position in life. Um, our vehicle is not a primary use vehicle. It is, I don't want to say it's a toy, but it is close to it. It is, we are number three or four in the garage. Um, it, it is a customer who is in their mid to late career. Um, it is a surprising high amount of female owners, which we really enjoy. Mm. Uh, it, it is not a male-dominated brand by any means. If I look to some of my competitors in the price range where we are, we are actually almost 40% female, 60% male versus an industry standard of 93% male, 7% wow. female. So mm. it, is, it, is, it is a really, really, uh, it is a design-driven vehicle that people truly enjoy to drive. And we see that in the mileages, we see that in the usage patterns of the vehicles. Um, it is not a car that is, that is just there for the one Sunday a month. They're not afraid to put miles on the vehicle. Uh, the customer profile is, is, is people who are outbound, uh, definitely extroverts. 92% of our buyers are entrepreneurs. Money managers, oh, hmm. dentists, lawyers, uh, people who know how tough it is to build a company and they truly want to uh, get something for themselves. That is who we are today. Um, it, it, is, it is a group uh, I really enjoy because it's people who have opinions. They, they know what they want uh, and they'll ask for things we don't do and then we'll try to accommodate that too. Uh, but it is not a, but it is not a group it is not a group of customers who is very big so one of the things we're trying to do in the coming years is to bring our brand more mainstream at a more attainable uh, price point and you'll see some of those things coming up in the coming year okay well, that's definitely interesting. And I think one of the things that you are doing um, I, that I'd like to touch on a little bit more and go back to the Rivero that I think makes this vehicle more usable is the idea of that you called it a, a what is it, a gas um, generator or, um, you know, to, to power the battery. So can you talk a little bit, like people hear that and I think they're probably thinking like, oh, this is a plug-in hybrid. So can you talk about what the difference is between what the Rivero is and a plug-in hybrid? 
yeah, you have two types of hybrid today in the industry, what you call a parallel hybrid and a serial hybrid. And the big difference between the two in a parallel hybrid like a Toyota Prius or uh, a Porsche uh, Panamera plug-in hybrid or a BMW hybrid, a 5 Series, is that the moment that you're out of battery power, the battery is depleted, the motor that you have in the car actually drives the wheels. So mm -hmm. you've lost the benefit of electric drive, which is always torque, no gearbox, very smooth delivery of power. Whereas in a serial hybrid, the, when you are out of power, you get to choose what you want to do. You either plug in the car, which can be a choice for people, or the generator turns on and makes its own power that recharges the battery. The benefit of that is that you are always driving electric, you have no gearbox, there's one gear, you always have torque, you always have that delivery of power that you expect from an electric vehicle. That's the two big differences between the technical solutions that are in the market today. Why we like serial hybrid is you, you always drive EV. You have all the benefits, but you don't have to be afraid of having to plug in. You don't. If you want to power up your generator, you go to any gas tank, you throw your nine gallons of fuel in there, and you're good to go for another 280 miles. Interesting. Yeah. And, and oh, I think ahead. that makes it super usable to somebody because you, you said that the Rivero isn't an everyday car, but it could be because you could go you know, 300 miles and take a road trip in it, or you could just use it for your commute and stay in electric-only mode. Absolutely. But the, 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 the reason why I say it, it is may not be an everyday car for people is simply the price point where we're operating uh. today. So that was really the next barrier for us. Um, we, we are expensive today. Uh, we feel that we offer an amazing value for what we charge. So it's not like we are too expensive. We are right priced for what we offer. But it also means as an automotive manufacturer that you're very limited in who you can sell this car to. We need to find the best of what we have today and move that into a significantly lower price point. That is where we can get the benefits for everyday people who we, we call it new luxury. Um, we're, we're bringing the vehicle into a, a place where, for instance, the Model S operates um, or a highly specced uh, BMW 5 Series or Audi A6 or Mercedes E-Class. That, that is really our challenge today, to, to bring our brand, I'm not saying to the masses because these are still expensive vehicles, but to a much broader audience than what we can sell today. Just uh, you had mentioned uh, you had mentioned road trip, and if I'm if I'm not mistaken, uh, you were actually driving uh, a Rivero <laughs> in uh, the Gold Rush Rally. <laughs> is that right? Yes, yes, yes. Can it you is, can oh, you talk about that? Can, can you talk about that experience because that seems uh, perfectly aligned, uh, at least for the immediate future, with what you're trying to do with the brand. Yes, I think that is a great question. This, this Gold Rush 2020 is a little bit like uh, Gumball 3000, long distance road rallies, uh, Cannonball. And uh, our, our intake in that is that uh, it's, it was 3,500 miles this year over nine days. Uh, it was anywhere between 60 to 90 cars, depending on the legs that we drove. And it is the typical Lamborghinis, Ferraris, Maseratis, Aston Martins, that, that, uh, McLaren, that, that, that drive those rallies. And you come there with your, well, I want to say, plug-in hybrid with a positive notation. And it's like the first day everybody's looking at you like, no, that's impossible. The second day is like, <laughs> like, oh, that thing can move. And the third day is like, okay, you belong. And, and that's that it was so funny to see over 72 hours the, the skepticism of the people who are driving there with their supercars and hypercars. And then after three days, they can see that you can hang in the corners because the weight distribution and the chassis is fantastic. The zero to 100, I take no prisoners. Okay, about that, it gets a little trickier for me, but it is, it is just so incredibly gratifying to see people get changed by just experiencing what that car can do. And then when you offer them to have a drive and they come out of it after an hour and, and they, they jump into their own uh, supercar, it's like, 
Now, this is a luxury GT. This is a vehicle that belongs in those long-distance rallies. This is much more attainable compared to an expensive uh, SVJ, for instance. But it, it is for them, they, they are considering that now as a daily driver. So that is the reason why we participated. I think it was very successful. The car did great. And uh, we took no prisoners. Uh, now, Joost, you guys have a new product line you're introducing for 2021, the GS series. Can you tell us what that's about? Yes. Um, the GS series is, is for us that step into a different price point whereby we try to get into a much younger demographic, uh, oh. early to mid career, a very different price point. Um, we're, we're launching, if you've seen that, a full electric version. Um, we're keeping the design very similar to what we have today because that design is, is one, it's timeless, and two, I mean, it is a very unique design on the, on the road today. We feel that it has a lot of strengths, but we're taking the generator out for people who want to be truly full electric. Sure. Um, we've also had a lot of requests from uh, owners that uh, we need to offer more vegan uh, solutions. So one of our mm -hmm. interiors that we have will be full vegan. Uh, at the same time, we're also taking our current Rivero GT, and at a certain point next year, we're going to try to bring that also to a price point that is much more attainable than where we are today. And that will be through a lot of internal work, bomb cost reductions and things like that. So 2021 for us will be a very busy launch year, um, whereby we hope that the much broader public will get to know Karma. Well, I hope so. The, um, um, the GS series will complement or replace uh, the Rivero? No, the Rivera GT will stay. Uh, what you okay. will start seeing on the Rivera GT is that it will grow up more into the hypercar space. Um, oh, we have okay. uh, a mule with four motors and 1,100 horsepower that I oh. had the blessing to drive <laughs> a few months ago on a racetrack. It was pretty insane, um, <laughs> and I like insane, by the way. But uh, so the Rivero GT will stay, and it will migrate away from what we're launching next year into more higher power, three, four motor solutions, um, and more bespoke offerings. Interesting. Now, for our Chicago audience who may not know this, there is a Karma dealership up in Glenview. That is Karma of Chicago. So they could actually go there and see these cars in person. Yost, we are completely out of time. This is a thing that happens to us. We're going to have to have you back on probably sometime next year to talk about the GS and see how that's going. Uh, thanks again for joining us. Thank you very All much right. for the opportunity. Thank you. Oh, the, the pleasure was mine. That was Yost DeVry with uh, Karma Automotive. We're going to take a break and be right back. Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide. Thanks for sticking around. Hey, Jill. Hey, what? Hey, Jill, you're active on uh, Heckle and Moppy. Tell the kids how they can follow you. <laughs> uh, that, is, that is another new uh, social media outlet that I'm going to have to explore. Uh, but on other social media, you can find me by looking at Jill Simonello, all one word. So just J-I-L-L-C-I-M-I-N-I-L-L-O. Um, and that is on pretty much every other social media that exists. <laughs> All right. Hey, Damon, you have a Moppy account. Heckle, Heckle and Moppy sounds like a hipster organic grocery store. <laughs> Some kind of art, artisan, artisan produce, very exotic uh, things. A kombucha sounded, bar, maybe. I thought it sounded a little bit like a cop buddy film. And maybe you've got a cop and, and like a robotic chimp kind of thing mm, I, uh, or, or or a real floppy eared dog that's yeah. somehow really good at solving crime yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right how, how can no, we I'm not, I'm, <laughs> not, not on heckle and moppy no, not on moppy not on heckle not on heckle and moppy uh i'm on twitter and that's uh damon bell likes cars excellent uh before we move on i got an email 
from a listener in Chicago named Jill. Uh, she listens on WCPT on Sundays. Hey, Jill. And she asked an interesting question uh, that I can't answer, not, not in my wheelhouse, but we're going to see maybe if we can reach out and talk about this someday. She bought a 2020 Honda Civic LX, and it has, this will come as no surprise to people who test drive cars, no CD player. Mm. Ah, yeah, and what she has learned is it's very hard to find a CD player or anyone who will install one in a modern car without doing all mm. sorts of stuff. So I don't know how to guide her at this point, but if any of our industry compadres are listening and know a little bit about aftermarket audio and how people can add a CD player, maybe we could talk about that one day because, yes, the CD player is going away. It is mm. disappearing. Mm. I would think your best bet is if you have some kind of portable CD player that has an aux jack uh, cable, that might be yeah. what it has to be. Yeah. That might be a way to do that. All right. Mm -hmm. So, well, we may revisit that topic, but Jill, thanks for the email. Damon, uh, Jill, it is quiz time. All okay. right. <laughs> All right. Hey, I, 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 and, and I have to point out, I was there was a mistake in last week's quiz. I was not <laughs> wrong with my Venza trim level answer. Here, here's the uh, thing about that. I, I admit that I was wrong, but I've heard this from you now like three times. I'm upset <laughs> about it. He wants his signed was, copy of the quiz. I was, I was, uh, I don't care about that. I was accused <laughs> of not paying attention though. And, and yes, uh, the, 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 you said that the, the choices were L, XL, XLE and limited. Uh -huh. And I chose XL, which you said was wrong, but XL is wrong. The base trim level of the Venza is LE, and it wouldn't be XL because that sounds like extra large. Anyway, I've got that off my chest. I can rest easy now. Here, here's an interesting <laughs> thing about that. Damon largely does all the editing of anything I write, and that is exactly <laughs> the kind of mistake I make all the time. So uh, my apologies. I think Jill still won, though, so she doesn't hand back, okay. have to hand back the mm -hmm. autograph now. I think it no? might have been tied, but I will we'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, she did. I, I know I did legitimately get the, the color question wrong. So we'll give it to her because she got the color question right. All right. <laughs> All right. Hand me downs. Hand me downs. Anyway, right. everybody go back and everybody go back and listen to that episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The Car Stuff Power Quiz is brought to you by Tom on Twitter. If you're not following Car Guy Tom, what's wrong with you? <laughs> All right. Question one goes to Damon. Today's topic is model year debuts. Damon, in what year, uh, what was the first model year of the Chevrolet Volt? Was it 2009, 2011, or 2013? Oh, my gosh. And I think you gave no, this answer earlier today, didn't you? I did. Actually, I did. Oh, so see, now I, I was legit not paying attention. Oy. Can you read the read the dates to me again? I'm sorry. Yes. In what model year did the did the Volt, the Chevrolet Volt, the plug-in hybrid extended range electric vehicle, debut? Was it 2009, 2011, or 2013? I'm going to say 2011. Jill. Oh, you are so freaking lucky um, <laughs> for not paying attention. It is in fact 2011 because I was paying attention. <laughs> Well, we're tied. Jill, <laughs> I made a more than educated guess. Ah, uh, but you weren't paying attention. That's all I'm saying. All right, I just fell back on my extreme knowledge. That's all. Uh huh. <laughs> Jill, what was the first model year of the original Toyota Venza? Was it 2008, 2009, or 2011? Hmm. So my parents have a 2014. I don't think that helps you here. It does not help me because that was like the last model year. Actually, I think 2015 might have been the last model year. Um, but knowing how life cycles go, I don't think it, so. You, you're saying 2008, 2009, or 2011? That's what I'm saying. Oh, God. 2008 was probably too early. Um, I hate to say 2011 because we just had that answer. But I think I'm going to go with that's 2011. His, that's his evil genius. That's yeah, his evil I think, genius. I think I'm going with 2011. Damon, what are you saying? 
<laughs> Sorry, one more time. I'm dragging things out. Can you can you give me the options again? Or are you paid by the minute? Uh, 2008, <laughs> 2009, 2011. I'm gonna I'm gonna say 2009. I remember it came completely out of the blue, and nobody nobody was expecting it. Uh, they didn't preview at all. All of a sudden, hey, we're gonna have this Venza. So I'm gonna say 2009. Damon, you are correct. We are now two uh, to one in Damon's favor. Uh, Damon, this question goes to you, and I know you're all about this car. What was the first model year of the battery electric Coda? Was it 2009, 2013, or 2020? You remember the Coda. I do, and I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Little best in show reference there. Um, two thousand. Uh, I'm going to take a wild guess and say 2013. All right, Jill. All right. So, what were the model years again? This is the Coda electric vehicle that was around for mm, seven or eight minutes. 2009, 2013, 2020. Uh. Good grief. I, yeah, I, I don't think I've ever even heard of it. Um, I'll say 2013. Uh, you guys are both correct then, right? You both said 2013? Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Yeah. If you guys don't remember Coda, it was a fascinating car. It was, it was a company that came out of kind of nowhere and was going to build an all electric vehicle. And then they were going to build an electric vehicle in conjunction with a Chinese company. And then they really just imported a crappy Chinese electric car. Uh, but, but they were selling for 40 grand. Oh. And by this time, the Nissan Leaf was already on the market. And if you were going to buy an electric car back in the pioneering days of electric cars, would you want to go with a Nissan or a Chinese company you have never heard of? Yeah. Uh, with a car that looked like a 20 year old uh, subcompact Econa box. Yeah, it looked good. Okay, we're yeah. three to two. That's three points for Damon, two for Jill right. as we roll into question four. Uh, Jill, this is for you. What was the first model year of the first generation Honda Ridgeline? Was it oh. 2006, 2008, or 2009? Ugh. Oh. That's such recent history. I know, and I, uh, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go say 2008. 2008, Damon. Yeah. Mm, was it 06 or 08? Um, I'll, I'll agree with Jill. You're both wrong. It was 06. Uh, oh, I was gonna. All right. Because I knew it couldn't be 2009 because that was the beginning of the recession area. So, okay. All right. Last question. This one goes to Damon first. Damon, what was the first model year of the Nissan Murano Cross Cab? Was that 2009, <laughs> 2010, or 2011? For folks who don't know, this was the extremely bizarre convertible version of the Nissan Murano Crossover a vehicle we never got to test because auto journalists made too much fun of it before they even. <laughs> I you know, We actually did have one. We did. Uh, we had, I never yes, did. We had one. Yep. Really? Yep. I need to yep. do that I, as a review flashback. I think it was, it was a very bizarre, it was a, it was a very bizarre turquoise color, kind of a aqua turquoise, which made it even weirder. <laughs> okay, uh, so, sorry. Weird. Once again, once again, can you give me the model years again? I'm terrible at this. I can. 2009, uh, 2010, 2011. I'm going to say, I'm going to say 2011. All right, Jill, same question. Uh, I, I will, well, um, to keep it interesting, I'll say 2010. Oh, Damon's going to win this one. 2011. Yep. It lasted mm. unbelievably until 2014. So Ooh. the score was 4-2 mm. to two in Damon's favor. Damon gets an autographed copy of the quiz, but we still have our <laughs> bonus question that we do not read, but need to read, but we will. This goes to Jill first. Jill, 
As you may have read in the papers, William Shatner recently uh, recently divorced. In the settlement, in the settlement, he was awarded custody of two prize show horses. Which of the following was not one of those horses? Are you ready? Uh, sure. Renaissance man's Medici, Powder River Shirley, or Foggy Bay Vidalia. Okay, so the first one actually kind of makes sense to me because Renaissance Man and the Medici, but the last two, completely nonsensical names. So I'm going to go with the first one. Okay, you're saying that uh, Renaissance is the fake? Yes. Because he was awarded two. One of these is fake. So Renaissance Man, uh, is it Medici? Yeah, I think so, depending on the spelling. Uh, Yeah, whatever. Okay, so... (laughs) You're saying that's the fake. Damon, same yeah. question to you. Renaissance man's Medici, uh, Powder River Shirley, or Foggy Bay Vidalia? I'll say the Foggy Bay Vidalia, whatever that is. I'll say that one's the fake. <laughs> it's an onion? Fake. Damon got yeah. the fake. Foggy oh. Bay Vidalia is not one of the <laughs> Nurse horses. Okay. We can all rest easier tonight. Now that that we've wasted a lot of time on William Shatner and have no time left, Damon, what's going on in the blog? Uh, We got great stuff, as usual. Um, Probably the biggest uh, uh, article we've got up this week is a first spin of the all-new 2021 Cadillac Escalade, uh, making big waves. Uh, We we talked about the GMC Yukon a a few weeks back, and now Mm -hmm. this is the true top dog variant of that new GM full-size SUV architecture. Uh, and that's got that insane uh, all digital gauge cluster that we talked about uh, earlier. So yeah, we've got a full test drive review of that a first spin review. Um, less all new, but refreshed nonetheless is the 2021 Toyota Camry. We've got a first spin review of that, that gets some kind of nip and tuck updates this year. Um, and this is the first all-wheel drive one uh, we've mm. had. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, Tom, you've got an interesting gallery of uh, sporty car ads from 1989, which, as we were talking about yesterday, 1989, not that long ago, but kind of a long time ago at the same yeah. time. Lots of Seems things like were a different, different world. Indeed. And yes, that and we've got a couple of uh, cheap wheels and future collectible articles. One uh, cheap wheels article on the '91 to '94 Lumina Z34, and a future collectibles article on the 2020 Nissan 370Z 50th anniversary edition. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you know what? We ran out of time again this week. <laughs> oh, Funny again. how that happens. The thing that, that that happens to us every week, but I guess that's how it works when you when you broker radio time by the hour. Uh, <laughs> for folks who are actually interested, yeah, you can check out Karma if you want to drive by. It's Karma of Chicago, and it's up in Glenview, which seems pretty cool. I'm going to be buzzing by there soon myself. Uh, but this is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. I am Tom Appel, host and publisher of that organization. Special thanks to our guest today, Yost DeVry of Karma Automotive. We're going to have links to... Uh, their website on our Facebook page. Special thanks to co-host Jill Seminillo, co-host Damon Bell. As always, thanks to producer Lady B and the good folks here at WCPT AM 820 in Chicago. Always thanks to my radio mentors, Steve and Johnny. We appreciate your help. Also, for people who don't know, our theme song is an original composition by Steve King, and I love that music. (laughs) This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Let's talk about cars again next week. (laughs) 